My name is Ivoma Okoro. You are listening to the Vega Sci-Fi Venture Podcast, and episode 10 starts right now. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm for real. We're just going to start. Because you heard what happened last time. We were right in the middle of the whole thing. So I think, I think it's only appropriate that this episode jumps right back into that conversation, starting with one very, very relevant question. What the f***? That was Milo, swearing. Vega tears her attention from Zaxby to her not-so-little-after-all cousin. The way she's looking at him, it looks like she didn't even know he knew those words. The kid looks stunned and angry. Long live Animus. What is Animus? He doesn't even wait for an answer, instead shakes his head, as if he's trying to wrangle all the frenzied thoughts that just sprung unwelcome into his mind. Hold on. Wait, so this shooter person, this guy did this on purpose? For like some dumb religion that's not even real? That's a cult, right? Yeah, it sounds like a cult, buddy, Zaxby says. Interesting. Now, is it Zaxby's imagination or does Vega's voice have a subtle note of triumph in it? That's not what people from Knox call them, but yeah. A cult is exactly what it is, my. I thought those people only did that stuff in their own country. Why would that happen here? Why would they do that here? Saibo has nothing to do with that. We didn't do that to them. We never attacked any of their ungodly excuses for worship houses. Wow. How easily this kid assumed upon things he knew absolutely nothing about. And Zaxby knew it wasn't just Milo. They were all like this. When it came to his country, even the most toddling little of cousins knew how to spit fire through the gaps in their baby teeth. Every time in the last year Zaxby had doubted his mission, every time he had wondered if he might have made a true friend or two, somebody had been quick to remind him that there could be no true thing between a noxion and a patraxin. That reminder had always brought him back to who he really was. As Milo's temperature ratchets up across the room, it brings him back now. So, my father was murdered in an international terrorist attack. There are tears in his eyes again, but instead of falling down his face one by one, they gather on the ends of his long lashes in two twin orbs, one for each eye, shimmering in the light. How unlucky for Animus, he says. They chose to murder the one priest in all of Patraxis who would have spared them for this. Milo, that was an act of war, right? We get to blow them off the map now, right? One of Zaxby's eyebrows arches. Even that, he's sure, Vega has noticed. So he has to bite back the disgust he feels bubbling up from within him. The two twin orbs on Milo's lashes forego his face entirely and swan dive directly to the carpet as Milo turns his fury on Vega. Why aren't you answering me? Do the authorities even know about Animus? Well, you were laid out with this information in your head for four whole days. Tell me you thought to mention this the moment you woke up. Milo. Vega begins with a sharper tone than before, but Zaxby's voice cuts her off. Buddy, you need to calm down. Zaxby had learned that Milo had trouble regulating his emotions. Counted as another one of those adorable little traits that made him seem closer to seven than seventeen. In the time that they had been together, Zaxby had gotten used to talking to Milo like this. 
especially because everyone else seems so set on indulging the volatile winds of his moods. Your cousin has some things she wants to tell us. But she can't say those things when you sit there and yell. Lo and behold, Milo checks himself. He sits there, staring at the ground, his shoulders moving up and down as he listens to Zaxby's words, trying so hard to overcome his underdeveloped hippocampus. Vega looks between them, the corners of her mouth curling down. If this conversation is too upsetting for you, and it's okay if it is, we can talk about this any other time. It doesn't have to be now. But if you want to hear what Vega has to say, you have to remain calm. Can you do that? Milo lets out a big breath and the greater part of his anger goes with it. Vega turns her attention fully back to Zaxby. He didn't think it was possible, but she looks even more pissed off than she did before, and Zaxby has to fight the sudden urge not to laugh. So what, Sphinx? So your people are the kings. Even the kings must bend their will to the gods. Vega, Zaxby says, why don't you continue? I'd love to, but actually, Zaxby, my next question is for you. You see, I can understand why Milo didn't go to the healing house after the attack that night, but I'm having a little trouble understanding. Why didn't you? I didn't think I needed to. But you have three broken ribs and possible organ bruising. You didn't want to check for any sort of internal bleeding. Okay, so she's observant. Got it. Wait, your ribs are broken? Milo is looking at him, putting it together. Nearly every member of the family had seen him wincing over his side in the last few days. It wouldn't make any sense to deny it. That, uh, ha. I guess that makes sense. And here I thought they were just bruised. Vega, how did you know that? I've been trained to notice these things. And here Zaxby trolled his memory. What exactly did her family say she did for work again? But how did you break those ribs anyway? I was knocked out of my seat in the explosions. I must have broken them when I hit the ground, but I guess I don't know. I didn't feel any pain until much later. Mm, that is so crazy. You were sitting right next to Milo and he came out without a scratch. But I guess there's no way even for him to know what happened once those bombs went off. There was just too much dirt in the air. It was good cover. Just the way the terrorist would have wanted it, I would think. Where do you think he was in that moment before? Where do I think the terrorist was hiding? Mm, it's hard to say. What would she say? He must have been close. Hiding in plain sight. I think that too. Now... I forget. How long would you say you've been around my family? Um, sorry. What did you say you did for work? I didn't. I'm curious to hear how my family described it. They told me you designed for convoy. You seem skeptical. Well, you mentioned something earlier about Knox. Your work has taken you there? Oh, many times. My job takes me through that country quite a bit. On what sort of assignments? Tracking. Not so much shipping, but handling, for sure. That kind of thing. I see. What? Do you see? No, he didn't see. Because what he was seeing would be impossible. There was no way. The only kind of filthy this girl was was filthy rich, right? There was no way she'd get her hands dirty with... No. And yet, a room in a healing house in the holy city. Now that is a privilege given to only a very few. I see you're not very forthcoming with information. What is it? Classified? Do I need holy city clearance to know what you do? Unless you're a member of my family. They all know. 
Well, a good number of them, anyway, and they support me in what I do. He catches the subtle flicker of her eyes. Milo looks between her and Zaxby, clearly lost. They think it's good and right for me to do it. Do they? Zaxby says. Then, off her reaction, I only wonder. Your uncle didn't seem very into sky buses. That hits a nerve. And not only with her. Uh, no. I think my dad was pretty okay with sky buses. I mean, the actual flying part he wasn't that into, but the general idea of them, I don't think he had a problem with. Did he tell you he didn't like them? Your father hated hunters, Milo, as all people should. Was that what this woman was? His views were very strong. Then it was no wonder her pictures hadn't given anything away, but her presence reeked of the kind of arrogance he had only encountered once in his life. And believe him, once had been enough. He would never forget how hunters could be. Zaxby could feel his temperature rising. He couldn't fake a smile now if he tried. It surprises me to know that there was someone in the field right in his own family. You don't know anything about that. We had many conversations. Really? Where was I? I don't remember any of these. This kid should really stop talking. Next to him, Vegas getting just as heated as Zaxby. My uncle had the opinion of someone who rarely flew. The only buses he ever interacted with were the good ones. He had only ever heard about the buses that I deal with, the bad ones. If he could see the kinds of things these machines were capable of, I have ended those responsible for the deaths of hundreds, even thousands. Machines determined to explode and take as many lives as they could with them. I don't know why. I suppose there are many reasons. Maybe it all comes down to something faulty in the wiring. It doesn't matter. I can't imagine my uncle would have sympathy for any sky bus if he knew the destruction it was capable of, regardless of how familiar it might have seemed at the first. In fact, I think he would have hated it all the more for having betrayed his trust. He was big on trust, and the violation makes it all the more heinous a crime, wouldn't you agree? Trust is a precious thing. Did my uncle trust you? She knows. She's a hunter and she knows who he is and what he did. He confided in me from time to time. I suppose that takes trust. Did you like my uncle? So why the hesitation? Why this game of cat and mouse? Why hadn't she arrested him yet? Oh, oh, because she can't. Because he isn't hers to arrest because of their laws. Wow. Oh, he could only imagine how she must feel right now. It had been nothing more than pure happenstance that she had gotten so close that night that she had heard his prayer. Had she even known he was still alive? Did she want for his blood to walk into her own living room and by Hunter's intuition discover him sitting right there and she couldn't do a thing about it? Oh, he can see it in the Sphinx face now, the irritation, the restraint barely keeping her murderous instincts at bay. Zaxby, did you like my uncle? So she had guessed who he was. She couldn't arrest him, but a few keystrokes on her link could summon the rangers who would. Why hadn't she summoned them? Did you think my uncle was a good man? Oh, because this was personal. She wanted to be the one to take him down. So all this, this, this talk, this game, this was just Vega buying herself time until she could figure out how. Which means that all he had to do was wait out the clock. I thought he was a very 
good man. And do you think he found any good in you? Which means that he had to make this personal too. I don't believe in goodness. There is no good. There is no evil. There's only what is. It's you. It's all the people who are out there doing what you do who find themselves so concerned with the labels. And I guess that wouldn't be a problem if you didn't go around destroying everything that seems heinous from one very dangerous and deluded point of view. But to answer your question, yes, your uncle did consider me a good man. Did he? Oh, he did. I know he did. I can verify. Milo has no idea why the intensity of their conversation has risen so high so fast, but he can certainly sense that it has. He's right there with them, trying not to miss the tide as it surges toward roiling open ocean. Vega folds one leg over the other, crosses her arms. Well, somebody, please elucidate me. What did my uncle find so good about this so-called Zaxby genre? I don't doubt it had something to do with the way Milo and I met. There's a shift. A moment of hesitation. A glance flies back and forth between Milo and Zaxby. Milo's too late in covering it, but nonetheless, maybe that, but generally other things too, I think. How did you two meet? Out and about in Dresden, we bumped into each other. And cue Milo throwing Zaxby the most attention he's offered since Vegas stepped in the room. Too bad it's Zaxby's least favorite kind. Milo's eyes are pleading or as pleading as they can be with Vega watching him from the seat over, and Zaxby knows exactly what that plea is. He sees you, Milo, and a promise is a promise, except when the family assassin is busy trying to figure out all the ways she can legally murder you. When I saved his life. Well, judging by her reaction, that was news to Vega. Milo visibly cringes. Saved who? Talking about Milo. Milo, what is he talking about? It happened last year. I fell off a cliff into a freezing river. Zaxby jumped in after me. I didn't drown. He saved the day. I didn't tell you about this. Wait, what? No, no, you didn't tell me about this. When last year? What river? Milo picks up a teacup sitting on an end table. Not even his. There's not even tea in it. Um, like winterish? Around Urnaz or so, Dresden's woods area. I told you about this. You see what I'm saying? It's always in one ear and out the other with this one. I swear, it's always these world traveler types. If it's not about a travel flex, then why are we even talking about it? Milo, you almost died last winter and you didn't think to tell me? Look, it wasn't a big thing, okay? I didn't want to embarrass anybody. This story's only good for Zaxby, who is a hero. Zaxby's turned across his leg. You know, the train killer and raging man-child thing aside, these two could make a funny pair. Okay, but where, where were you? How did you fall in? How was Zaxby there if you had never even met him in the first place? Like, I'm telling you, you are not going to be satisfied with this story. I don't remember anything before I woke up in the healing house. You woke up in the healing house and you didn't think to tell me? How? Mm. She bites it back. There's so much she has to say, so much yelling she clearly wants to do, but it's not going to help, and she knows that. She takes a deep breath, glancing back at Zaxby to get back on course. Okay, then just answer me this. Can you answer just this one question for me? What's the question? Why were you both in the woods, in the same place, at the same time? Milo's all dot, dot, dot. That's actually three separate questions. Milo! We weren't together. Zaxby ends this. He could let it go on, 
But Milo was right about this story, how it made Zaxby look, and maybe it could be just the kind of herring that would throw Vega from the plot, even if only for a moment. Milo was with some friends. I was hiking on my own. I heard shouting. It turned out to be Milo's friends attempting to alert a passerby of a danger, a danger to which I responded. She's clearly not buying any of that. Good. He was hoping she wouldn't, but he needed to be around the truth a bit for Milo's sake. Who were the friends, she says. They were not my friends. Or, I don't know. I mean, some kids from the learning house. Goodness, gravy. The point of the story is that I'm totally okay and that Zaxby is a hero to whom I owe my whole entire but he was very surprised to learn who I was after the fact. It was only the good providence of Saibo for him that he was already planning to reach out to us anyway for the piece. And now we're best friends. How did you fall, Milo? I don't remember. Were you pushed? Excuse me? Were you pushed over the edge by someone you didn't see? Ew, stop that. You may be a lot of things, cousin of mine, but a good liar is not one of them. You don't remember? Bullshit. You remember. I tripped, just like you're tripping right now. Right, right, you tripped over the edge of a cliff and then Zaxby saved your life. That's how you met. This makes so much sense now. Damn, that makes so much sense. That's good. Sorry, what's good? Not good, valid. A very valid reason to trust somebody so blindly. And how fortunate for you, Zaxby, that you happen to be in the right place at the right time to save the life of this very young man. And now look where you are, in the Rex house with all our trust, while our world inexplicably crumbles around us. It wasn't fortune, Zaxby says. He shifts in his seat now, finally getting comfortable. What a relief. After all these lies to be able to say something true. I'm not fortunate. It wasn't luck that brought us together. It was destiny. I was meant to save Milo that day. Do please explain. He doesn't need to. Milo starts again. He means that we were meant to be best friends and be in each other's lives. Saibo made it work out the best for all of us. That's it. Milo, I know. I know, all right? I figured it out. So whatever voodoo mind trap he's got on you, you can snap out of it. And she jabs him in the chest like she's some cartoon character out of a kid's mystery show. Don't look at me like that. It's so obvious that you're covering for this psycho. So why don't you grow a pair and tell your actual cousin something real? I am telling you something real. He is not a psycho and I'm not covering for him. He is covering for me. Vegas stunned. What? This isn't a bad story for him, it's bad for me. That whole time, Milo's been avoiding her eyes, acting real dodgy, but now he's turned to face her and his eye contact is direct, intense. You can tell, something about this scares her. What did you do? Milo takes his eyes from Vega to Zaxby and back again. They can both see the revelation coming upon him, erasing the slouch in his shoulders degree by degree. He knows. They both want him to tell this story. They're both waiting on him now, finally. In the long and twisting wrestle of this conversation, he's got the power. You want to know? Then you got to tell me exactly what is going on here. Because you've been acting real fishy from the moment you walked in that door. Why would a story about a man saving my life make you automatically assume he pushed me to my death? What is the beef between you and Zaxby? You want the truth? I want the truth. No more context, 
No more talking over my head like I'm too dumb to know you're doing it. I tell you, then you tell me. The look on Vegas' face carries a newfound respect. The word you're looking for is subtext. And you're supposed to tell me to go first, but... Okay. You tell me, and I tell you. Everything. Milo looks at her with a grave seriousness. Is it a deal for real, though? Oh, it's a deal for real, Vegas says. And they don't just shake on it. They perform this long and elaborate handshake. It was a kind of handshake that said, look at us. Our friendship is better than yours. We've been best friends for so long that a simple handshake high five has turned into a sequence of hand claps, body rolls, and random interjections so complex that even if you saw it every day for years on end, you still wouldn't be able to get on this level. It was aggressive, as territorial as a Rottweiler pissing on your mailbox. And when it was done, Zaxby's illusions that Milo's loyalties would last through the everything Vega promised to tell him were all but vanished. Now he finds himself bracing against his seat as Milo takes a breath and starts the story. Those kids weren't my friends. I mean, I thought they might have been at the time, but they weren't, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Yes, I do. I was thinking that I wanted someone to see me as cool for once instead of as some lame goody two-shoes that only hangs out with his mom and dad all the time. They let me hang out with them that day. I mean, I asked and they didn't say no, so I took that to mean they were open to it. They were drinking something, this drink I'd never heard of, and they said I could have some. I didn't think it'd be so strong, and they said it wasn't, but it already had like three shots before it kicked in. I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want you to look at me differently. He stops there. It's not clear what he expects, but Vega doesn't say anything, so he continues. Everything was going fine until we came over that hill. I didn't even know where we were going, but all of a sudden, we were there. It was this ancient temple in the woods. The sun was setting in this perfect way. The light was hitting the stone and catching in the trees and hanging in the air. And the way it all looked, it was just so beautiful. And before I could stop myself, I was crying. But not like single tears, like streams of tears like sobs and once I started I couldn't stop and everyone was just standing there staring at me and I could tell they were all judging me and I couldn't believe I was being such a chump like why am I so lame the coolest kids in RX were letting me hang out with them and here I was blubbering at a sunset in the woods and as soon as I realized how stupid I was being this rage came over me. It was seriously like that. This wave of hot anger surged up into my body. And I, Vega, I swear I'm telling you the truth this time. I don't remember what happened after that. The corners of Vega's mouth are curled down again. She doesn't look at Zaxby this time, and she knows Milo doesn't want her to look at him, so she keeps her eyes trained on the carpet. But apparently everyone else did. Can I tell you why Zaxby's a hero now? His eyes go to Zaxby, 
and everything he's offered since he learned that Zaxby saved his life is in them. After we got to the healing house, he tracked them all down. He made them delete the videos they took of me. He even had all the digital copies erased somehow. He asked them to keep my secret. Still, Vega is silent. Now it's Zaxby's turn to read minds. He answers the questions he knows are ricocheting around hers. I was there that evening because I had been there for months, praying in the temple. From inside, I heard yelling, the smashing of glass. By the time I saw him, he had broken all the orbs from the altar. They were all recording him as he stood near the cliff. Could she believe it? It was hard for people like them. They were both so used to seeing themselves above it all. They hated to be told that they too could be animals. That when life came to strip them of all their little dignities, they too had bile in their bowels. That's the second time I've used the word bile today. Jeez. But there it was. Milo had been the one desecrating a temple and Zaxby had been the one at prayer. How did he fall? Vega asks. Milo shakes his head, so it's up to Zaxby to tell her. He stumbled, pulling up his pants. He had just finished urinating on the icon of Saivo. That's it. That's the end of the story. There wasn't much more to say after that, really, but yet, curiously, Zaxby keeps speaking. The words just come out of him. Perhaps it was because he knew the civilized part of this conversation, the part in which Vega sized him up from behind the facade of all this polite conversation, would meet its swift death the moment the story was over. Perhaps it was his own vanity. The fact that he really had thrown everything aside to save the life of this total stranger, well, that made him feel proud. Despite how foolish it had seemed at the time, this act in the face of danger, it made him feel like a hero. And perhaps, and this would be worst of all, even though he didn't even believe in goodness, he wanted this woman to see some in him. Not just to throw her off, but so that she could know. If she was better than him, it wasn't by much. It was like an instinct. Zaxby hears himself say, I knew that if I could get to him before the rapids carried him away, that I could save him. The last thought I had before I hit the water was that if I die doing this, it will be the most meaningful thing I have ever done. What were you praying for? A miracle. Well, that's too bad. Vega looks up from the floor. He can tell in her eyes. The game is over. You got me. And that is all she wrote for episode 10. Man, I really hate to keep pulling you out of this conversation like this, but this content has to fit into these podcast episodes somehow, right? The story continues on the next episode of the podcast or via the storytelling album. If you're interested, and if you're also tired of being interrupted like this, the album is a curated experience that keeps you in the story instead of pulling you out from week to week like the episodes do, though either method of listening will give you the same exact content. You can head over to my website, evomatellstories.com, for links to purchasing that album if you'd like to see your options to buy. 
If you'd like to financially support the next season of this show, you can head over to my Patreon to read more about how you can do just that. That will also be linked down below in the show notes for your convenience. Special thanks to Dusty Hall, who did all the music in this episode, to my Patreon producing partners, Caitlin Hines, Eric Stelflug, and Rob Rossi, and to my consulting producer, Chad Ellis. As always, stay safe, wear your masks, fight oppression, and tune back in for the next exciting installment of Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast. Bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. <laughs> Are you two still awake? Dad, we're too excited! You'll be tired at Mockery Manor tomorrow, and it's bigger than ever, so you really do need to sleep. Daddy, tell us about the new expansion! Okay, okay. Yay! Once upon a time, there was a wonderful place, Mockery Manor. Everyone loved it, but sometimes it felt lonely. The manor longed for a companion, so they built a whole new park right next door and called it Claytonville. And it was the... Rootinest, tootinest place you ever did see. Yee-haw! Hop on board the brand new Mockery Railroad all the way to Claytonville. Toot-toot! In Claytonville, there are four cowboy lands to explore. Lasso a goat in Farmin Valley. Kiss your girl's best friend in Lovelorn Town. Stop it, Terry. And in Cowboy Christmas Town, hop on down to the Bluegrass Grotto to meet Cowboy Santa. Ho, ho, ho down! And are you brave enough to ride the wildest ride in Claytonville? Look out. It's the Four Spurs Mine Train. Two parks in one and only $19.99 for a family of four. And how about you? Yeah, that's right. You. Listening to this. Are you ready to come back? To Mockery Manor. Season 3. Available now. <laughs>